0: The world leader in internet talk radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, and ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the live broadcast. My name is Ryan Treasure. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com forward slash Live Events. We're here at the NAB 2016, bringing you the business of broadcast. I'm joined by our own our own host of the Tech Cat Show, Lori H. Schwartz.
1: We had a panel this morning on um, on-demand advertising and the, um, the opportunity to create new advertising models in an on-demand environment on broadcast television. And then we segued into talking about what happens when you're not going to have as many ads because consumers are pushing away from that. But yet there's more content than ever, and there's more demand for advertising. And so we're segueing into the afternoon now, and I have the fabulous Jeanette DePatty, who's a partner of mine over at StoryTech. She's from Propeller, and um, what Jeanette really does is she's a a tech writer, and she really looks at technology and helps people understand the opportunity. So Jeanette, I was wondering if you could tell us some things that you've seen so far on the floor that's really blown you away.
2: Well, I've seen some amazing things in
1: uh, the drone pavilion. Uh, oh. I love drones, and they're awesome. Well, And why why do you love drones? Because I think for all of us, they remind us of model airplanes, right? Ryan, right. right? I mean, oh, yeah. You yeah. guys were young boys growing up somewhere in the world. Didn't you love model airplanes?
0: Uh, <laughs> absolutely. I, and I still do, and I love jo- uh, drone technology as yeah. well, just from a, a production standpoint for audio and video capture.
2: Exactly. And the thing is that drones are fun i mean it's you know i'm an old model rocket girl from way back when (laughs) um (laughs) but they're not just fun i mean they're combining a lot of technology trends so now you have a drone that can live stream 4k video and you know you can run the drones with a vr headset the uh in the dji booth there's a Zeiss one demonstration where you can have one guy with the VR thing and he is the the VR advisor and he is piloting the camera with his head. With his head. Yeah. Piloting the camera. And then because we all have aspirational needs to have an audience, he can have up to seven people riding on the virtual drone with him. That's watching so cool. him, oh, he, he only gets the controls, so they get to watch him being. So, control. and
1: what I love about this is, so now drone photography not only becomes the thing you're doing to later insert into a movie, but it actually becomes an experience in itself.
0: Yeah, I think it brings right. a whole other level of, uh, you know, in in production. I'm I'm a, I'm a production guy, so I'm I'm a big fan of what happens behind the scenes, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so if you can if you can introduce to the audience, you know, uh, a live behind the scenes making of something that's going to come out in the future and provide that through drone technology and live streaming to the end user, that is just the most awesome thing I've seen in a long time.
1: Yeah. Do you you guys think, and Jeanette, you may know this, because I know the FAA has been doing a lot of regulating of all of this. So where are we now? Are we allowed to do whatever we want with these drones? Absolutely not.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. In fact, there was a collision with a drone and a British Airways flight uh, landing today, this morning.
1: No kidding, like a real airplane hitting a a little drone? real
2: airplane hitting a little drone. And and did anyone get hurt?
1: As far as I know, no. The little
2: G.I. Joe got crushed? (laughs) I think think his days, his flying days are done. But yeah, it's a serious thing. And in California this year, uh, we've had... Wildfires, and there were three instances where the firefighting helicopters had to be grounded while they got the drones out of the way so that they could fight the fire. So there are real issues around drones. Uh, The FAA recommends there's a site out there called Know Before You Fly. You should take a look at that because you have to follow regulations and you have to register your drone. If you don't, it's like $27,000 in civic fines, up to $250,000 in criminal fines, and up to three years in prison, wow. like in the clink. So, yeah, you really want to know before you fly. How,
0: how, how does the FAA differentiate between, you know, um, a toy that I go buy at Toys R Us for my child that has a camera on it, that has a quadcopter yeah. that's just like a, sa- a similar drone? Or just obviously. even
2: throwing your GoPro. Right. <laughs> you yeah. just throw it. <laughs> it's, it's based on weight. It. It's primarily based on weight. But the best... I think it costs, it's very inexpensive to register your drones. So, I mean, look, everybody has drones. Barbie has a drone now. I'm not <laughs> kidding.
1: She flies on this quadcopter thing. So, you know, if Barbie, Barbie, by the it, way, comes in a variety of shapes and sizes now, in case you guys don't know, which, which is uh, super awesome. right. right. They're full figured Barbies and tall and slender Barbies as well.
0: You know, my, uh, <laughs> my, uh, interaction with Barbie is relatively low. So <laughs> I'm glad that you let the listening audience know that. Well, so it's, it's a huge, <laughs> huge deal for
1: Mattel. And yeah. for, for those of us who are growing young girls who, We'll operate drones, by the way, to tie it back into to what I we're actually talking I have talking a two-and-a-half-year-old
0: two daughter, so that's good to know. <laughs> she'll, she'll, be, she'll be getting into that very very soon. Well, I have a
1: question for you just to me because all drones seem alike to me. So is there a real difference in the different brands that are here with drones? I mean, are there yes. lots of different choices? Um, well, the, the leading drones are coming out of China right
2: now. DJI is the leader, and then second in second place is Unique. And they have some similar uh, drone technology. You really want to look at the lens, uh, the sensor. So how much resolution can you capture? Can you capture 4K? What frame rate can you capture 4K? Is it like 4K at 12 frames a second? That's really not so good. (laughs) So (laughs) you also want to look at the control systems. And you also want to look at one of the other big trends that's happening this year is automation and machine learning. And the more advanced drones help you so you don't mess up, right? So you don't crash the thing. So the DJI drone, for example, won't let you
1: fly beyond FAA airspace. They won't let you run into a tree. So so it has sensors that are telling it where it is relative to the ground? Yes. Is that what it's doing? So it's bouncing a sensor. uh, I mean, how is it doing it? It's measuring its distance from the Earth? magic. I no. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure. G- GPS. <laughs> GPS. Well, the, GPS. I, the GPS, but the reason I was bringing it up is because we've been talking a lot about sensors yeah. with augmented reality, and it's the same kind of understanding of y- the, the object needs to know where it is in space right. to begin with in order for it to do all these things we want it to do. Right. And yeah. and
2: it does bounce uh, signals off of things to yeah. see what's close. Like a bat. Like a bat, exactly. Right. <laughs> Uh, so that's pretty cool in terms of the, of the technology. And uh, another thing that's really cool, there's a couple of drones, there's one from Unique and one from DJI that has a follow feature. So if you have the controller and you get in a car, and you're going 30 miles an hour down the road with the controller, the drone will follow you Yeah, DJI has a,
0: um, a, pretty, a, a pretty boisterous uh, Facebook campaign for exactly that, yeah. where they have a video that of showcases the user. Of course, it's the, the bomb. User. How cool oh, is this, you know, right? I so think that's
1: a great husband trailer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to just like... Track your husband. Yeah, you I'm just know saying. I, I, I see,
0: I see yeah. a whole bunch of other applications that haven't even started to be used for those for um, you know extreme sports and other sporting ev- uh, you know events and venues where you know putting those GPS follow units on you know whether it be you know athletes that are running long distance races or even um, in and uh, uh, maybe like an Olympic setting yeah. you know to allow the camera person to kind of follow certain people pick the right. shots for broadcast and uh, so the, I think the the uh, the applications are actually endless for for that particular. portion.
2: Well, they're tr- they, they had this idea for a while that they were going to have drone racing and it was going to like be like indie stock car racing, except like when you're standing on the ground, the drone is like teeny tiny and very far away. <laughs> so they're still trying to work out like you, you almost need to have follow drones in the air next next to the follow drones,
0: drones for follow drones. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. but
2: it, and it, Tiny it, it's little like
1: drones leading the bigger <laughs> drone. It's it's like baby like drones, like like, like as Obama's coming into town, you have big drones, little drones. <laughs>
0: We're starting to get into the world of Star Wars here, yeah, all no, these drones, real.
2: drone clone <laughs> army. Right, <Yeah>. That's right. <laughs> for
1: real. So how big was the drone pavilion this year?
2: It was big. It was quite a bit bigger than last year. Oh, and Ehang, I don't know. There's a company here called Ehang, E-H-A-N-G, also from China. I don't know if they brought it. I haven't had a chance to look, but they have a drone that can carry a person.
1: Whoa. Oh.
2: Like, now... As a Los Angeles girl, <laughs> this is my dream come true because, like... You just
1: order a person up and it drops the seriously, next Seriously. Day. Two-day <laughs> delivery? <laughs> seriously, because,
2: I mean, you know, to get from the west side to... Oh, yeah, forget it. Forget yeah. it. I'm you have the to the
1: use strategery in Los Angeles to get around. So. If I
2: could ever, like, <laughs> live my life without the 101 or the
1: 405, yeah. then life would be good. Yeah, it's, it's, that's highways for the rest of the country. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: I, speaking of carrying a person, I mean, could you imagine taking, like, the world's fom- foremost videographer? or a camera person and being able to airlift them in the air and allow them to use their creative yep. practice on, uh, you know, aerial photography and putting yeah. that into play. I mean, I can't wait to see some 4K videos for that. It's going to be amazing. I mean, that's the stuff. <laughs> it's cheaper
1: than a gimbal, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and That's the stuff also that you see at some of the amusement parks where mm-hmm. they put you in those, you know, 5D, 6D rides right. and you feel like you're flying and it's because of that that great footage that happened, yeah. right? Yeah. So what else did you see that you loved we, dr- oh, we have drones
2: there's a lot of amazing things in the virtual reality pavilion right right that's uh, near
1: us where we're broadcasting from we haven't been over right, there yet it's but
2: it's mobbed and there's a lot of interest there again it's a lot of combining technology so vr is brand new but even though it's brand new it's still being combined with live streaming and a lot of uh gaming there's not as much augmented reality here you'd have to go to the brother industries booth Microsoft, we went to Microsoft.
1: To see HoloLens? Yes, we had
2: (laughs) two traumatic experiences yesterday. We went to Microsoft to see HoloLens, and they said, no, we're just talking about cloud. And I'm like, cloud is awesome,
1: but dude... And uh, we went to. Uh <laughs> that was um, Jeanette's music that follows her wherever she goes. But yeah, um, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> she has her own theme music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we went to Sony and we were like,
2: well, where's the Sony PlayStation? V-? First, we had to sneak in to the Sony booth. Right. You had to break was, in. Yeah. Which was. Yeah,
0: yeah they had that under nef- veil.
2: Nefarious yeah. thing. <laughs> but um, no, they said, well, we're we're broadcast
1: here. So I'm like,
2: there's a whole VR pavilion. Where's your Sony's PlayStation? They're not VR? ready
1: to show it yet. Or no, they ready? are.
2: They're showing. It they just aren't showing it here. I'm like, well, that's silly. So, it was two despondent, just depressing moments yesterday.
1: With the not getting access to stuff. What What about other? Is anything else surprised you on the show floor that you weren't expecting? Because I know we do a lot of research about what's going to be here, um, so we have a good sense of it. But is there anything you came across like something special, saucy? That, yeah, um, Voice America. Besides, that's <laughs> right. We stumbled upon Ryan and Robert broadcasting <laughs> live. Well, in the red
2: <laughs> booth, they have uh, one of their cameras mounted to this giant, like, like a dune buggy on steroids it's awesome so the cameras are mounted on a dune yeah, buggy. yeah it's like they took a, a helicopter gimbal and they put it on the front of this thing and i'm just like oh it is so scary so looking red is awesome. one of the
1: big camera manufacturers they were one of the first ones to come out with 2k 4K, and 4k, 4K cameras yeah. that blew everyone away mm-hmm. and put 4k in the hands of digital video enthusiasts right, right? and
2: now it's in the hands of you and me, because right. you can just, like, oh, trot t- on down it's to total Best Buy. prosumer now. And yeah, oh, like, yeah. I can go buy. I mean, you might pay $10,000, but that TV is going to be awesome. <laughs> 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 but you can get, like, a ultra Blu-ray player and you can play which is really important because even though you can
1: stream 4k i don't know about you but i don't have 25 megabits per second in my house do you have that so so that's the big the other yep. big conversation here at nab right now is that even if you have shot 4k and you have great great you know images What's the throughput in your own home? And then do you have the screen? Did you buy the 4K screen or the UHD screen? Can you talk a little bit about those disconnects? Because we have a lot of clients who are asking, should we bother with 4K? And then I can't even get all the machines in my house to work right now because Time water is either throttling or they're down or something's going on. So what do you think is going to be that that moment in time where shooting 4K, serving up 4K, and watching 4K is really all going to come together?
2: Well, look, if you're creating content, you need to be shooting in 4K. Period. Full stop. Because you want the long tail for your content, you want to show it next year and the year after. So you're going to need to be in 4K down the road. Whether you need to be there now, in the home, if you've got the money, the standards are coalescing around it now. We have the um, U UHD Alliance, and we have the. Blu-ray Alliance, and they've all created standards around that. So, you can feel confident that the Blu-ray player you buy now and the television you buy now are going to be compatible down the road for at least a little ways. Uh, If you have the money, go for it. I think as far as streaming, it's just You know, a lot of it is store and forward. Sony has their store and forward solution, but I mean, it takes like store and forward. Store and forward means like you hit download and you wait like eight days. It's it's the same thing as
0: you know. I'd love to chime in on this because this is what Voice America does. We've been streaming online content since 1999, and I remember um, when when we initially came out with one of our video products in standard definition, right? And we said, all right, that's great, standard definition. Uh, This was before MP4 even existed, right? And we were streaming everything in Flash. And it's like, okay, this looks okay in flash. And then the high-definition HDV came out, right? So I have a camera with a tape, and I'm putting it in there, and I'm making content, and it's all great, and it's high-definition, then we go... Wow, how do we get this to the web and Flash? <laughs> right, so it's it's yeah. the same kind of growing pain online as we went through from uh, standard definition to HD, and now from HD to 4K. It's all just about a compression algorithm yeah. and finding you know new and unique ways on the programming side uh, for the people that are much smarter than all of us to write those programs to right. uh, to do what's called middle out compression rather uh-huh. than from top down compression and, and and deliver that way.
2: My my first tech company, I was working with a software company in. Early '90s, on an MPEG compression software company. Back when nobody knew what the heck that was. It's I a mean, bucket. It's a, <laughs>
1: it's a bucket.
2: But um, yeah, actually, I'm really proud of the fact that I raised several million dollars in venture capital with two pieces of PVC pipe and a plastic funnel. <laughs> because all of a sudden, the broadcast guys were like, "Oh." oh you
0: had to, vi- they had to show that visual, so yeah. they understood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: This is my 23rd consecutive NAB.
2: Awesome. So
1: I've been doing well, this a well, while. So let's, let's address that because I feel like um, NAB has done a really good job of reinventing what the show is this mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. Um, as they've been doing for the last couple of years. What, what do you think, how does that manifest for you as a long-term attendee? Well, every year there's something new. And they do a good job of making space for something
2: new. I mean, when I first started coming to NAB, digital was new. I mean, this was a big deal. And, you know, we were in a little tiny spot in the sands. The tech guys were all crammed over there. We had like 20 10 by 10 booths, and that was their technology offering. And look at it now. It's amazing. So they do a really good job of staying out front and making sure that the coolest stuff has a place to be seen. And also with their Startup Loft and Sprocket, those are two amazing programs that they do to get the next in front of people at the show and, and
1: that's where they curate startups to come yes. and present their wares, and they have contests mm-hmm. and things like that yeah uh, and on, then because we are at the advanced advertising theater what have you seen on the floor that really speaks to martech ad tech or anything that you know brands might be interested in learning about well switch
2: media is uh showing an anti-ad blocking technology.
1: Anti-ad blocking. Yeah. It's it sounds a like a superhero <laughs> quali- quality. <laughs> it does. I'm an anti-ad blocking <laughs> man. <laughs> well, it is kind of like this, this brinksmanship
2: that's happening right now between the viewers and the listeners and uh, the advertisers. And part of it is because the advertisers... You know, they shot themselves in the foot by making things so incredibly annoying. Yeah. So I think now advertisers have to have a smarter relationship with the audience where they're offering real value and they're respecting the audience. Because if you don't respect the audience, they're going to block you. You're not going to make money. It's not good for anybody.
0: But It also makes an impact uh, from a platform perspective too, because if you have an end user who's using ad blocker and you have pre-roll content on video when you deliver it online or through a mobile device, It it blocks the user from being able to consume that video altogether because because it's 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 not one piece, but it's uh, the way the technology works is the ad has to complete or be skipped before it allows you to go on to the actual content that you want to consume. So if the user has ad blocker, the next thing they know, that person is not only not getting the ad, they also are going, this website that I'm on or this mobile app that I'm using must be junk because I can't watch it. And it all just has to do with ad blocker blocking the access to the ad and the content.
2: Right, and that's what Switch Media is doing is they are actually stitching the ads into the content itself so that block... That little break that tells the ad blocker to do its thing doesn't exist Mm -hmm. so it doesn't
1: sense the
0: right yeah voice America TV does that with a lot of our television content to get by that as well some of our uh, our content creators uh, when they create the content we go in before we post the content if they have an advertiser that's advertising in there we physically put the commercial into the ad or into Uh the piece of content just like you would be watching regular television as it goes you know from one piece to the other and then back to the content and it's all part of one one file as opposed to it being, you know, segmented in HLS or in right. pre or post role.
2: But that's why I think native co- native advertising and branded entertainment are so important right now because they're going to be key uh, processes that are going to help us get over this spot, get over this hump. But another big thing that's happening in the advertising space right now is there's been a big hue and cry over the fact that a view is not necessarily a view. A page view is not necessarily a page view. So there has been an accusation that... A controversy. A controversy. Controversy. We like that. That the advertising industry has charged for $7.5 billion worth of digital ads that were never seen by a human being. Okay, right, right, right. And so that is something that's a big part of what's going on. And um, so brand advertisers, brand marketers are saying, "Hey, we need proof that our content is being seen by a human being." So they're using something called header bidding, which is a form of um, of advertising where they uh, show the not only what page it's going to be on, but what the location on the page is and all this stuff, which sounds great in principle. However, it also makes the pages load slower. Because the tech is kind of the tech is slowing yeah, the,
0: it down. The more the more code that you put into a page to exactly. track or deliver, the slower the right, page is. Right. We we went through the same growing pains with HTTPS because absolutely. you know, it's the same way. You add more to it, the server has to do more work to deliver the load, and right, yeah, you're absolutely right. So you
2: end up in this little circle. It's like a paradox. You're trying to make sure that your ad is seen, but you're doing it in a way that's making your advertising more annoying, which you know makes people want to turn on ad blockers. So it really makes
1: a case for being smarter and how you do advertising. Right. Right. And I think what NAB has done a good job this year is bring in those players, you Uh know, because MarTech and AdTech has always been off to the side in the sort of internet world, but really it's, it's a lot of our discussions today have been about how digital and traditional are coming together. Right. And how you need, how that same sort of programmatic approach is happening in linear.
0: Yeah. That was one of the things I liked that the gentleman talked about earlier, I think is as technology shifts, because I mean, at some point the traditional broadcast medium of, you know, shortwave television, radio, all of that is going to eventually, you know, I'm not saying tomorrow, so don't, I don't want anybody freaking out, but um, over time it is going to change to be an all digital delivery platform at some point, and I think as long as the ad technology kind of uh, follows that suit, then you will be able to do the same thing in television set boxes that you do on, on mobile or on, on, uh, on, on desktop devices as well.
2: Well, it has to shift to all digital because analog is too fat in terms of, of spectrum, right? One, another thing that's going on right now is the spectrum auction. And that the spectrum is like the wavelengths that your stuff travels over, right? So most of the major broadcasters are on the low, um, are wanting high power, but don't necessarily need high data. Mm-hmm. What happens is as they move to digital signals, the space between them can be smaller. So if you think of the white space as the shh you hear when you're on the radio. That is a space in the spectrum that's available. And since digital takes, a, can be closer together, there's more of those white spaces.
0: Right. So you kind of mean something similar to in digital when I when I watch digital television, right? I have uh-huh. channel 10, 10.1, 10.2, right. 10.3. So in traditional uh, wavelengths, you have 10 and 11. With digital, you have 10 and then 10, you know, Uh, pieces of that before you get to the next one, which increases that avail.
2: Well, what happened is the TV stations figured out, hey, now that I can put things closer together, I can broadcast eight channels or 10 channels. So that was what was happening. But we also have an incredible need for frequency because of everything that's going through the air. So Internet of Things means the amount of frequency we need is massive. So what they're trying to do is to convince the television and and radio stations to move to the lower parts of the spectrum which are very strong but less data intense and to sell their spot in the higher part of the spectrum which the signals aren't as strong but can carry a lot of data if you think of the waves moving Mm -hmm. faster they can carry more data and the way they're doing this is massive massive amounts of money it's changing hands (laughs) like tremendously huge amounts of money but there are trillions of dollars at stake in terms of what can happen in the industry because if we don't have enough frequency there's a point where we hit a wall and we can't move forward.
0: Yeah, we've started to see that in our local Phoenix market with um, just a shift of radio stations and television stations, mostly on the radio side early on, where you know a lot of those farther in the dial stations are selling, you know, their pieces or moving to lower end ones, and um, you know some of my favorite, you know, AM stations that were eleven and fifteen hundred, and those you know stations don't exist anymore, um, or they've moved to FM, but moved from like an eleven hundred dialed a 92 or right. you know something similar to that nature and it seems like once you get past you know 100 on the fm dial there's almost nothing there anymore
2: No because that is going to be ultimately allocated for data which is is what we're really going to need
0: Yeah and I think the uh, HD radio has been pretty adopted along the lines of most consumers. I think all new cars have HD radio, and so, you know, and and it's good because the data does need to go somewhere, and, you know, shifting it down the spectrum to allow the open component seems good. I I wonder what what, uh, radio manufacturers and hardware manufacturers are going to do to make sure somebody doesn't stumble upon, you know, uh, that. Is there going to be maybe a threshold marker on certain dials that doesn't allow that user to go past that, or, you know, how, how do they stop people from... From you know, accidentally falling across data that maybe somebody who owns that space doesn't want or or doesn't want people to have access to. Well,
2: the receiver technology is different, right? So the receiver for a radio versus the receiver for a Wi-Fi signal are different. So I think you're you're going to see that that's not really so much a problem. It's the real problem is going to be making sure that everybody stays in their lane, right? Right. This is something, this is another Los Angeles analogy, right? Because if you wander (laughs) out of your lane, then you can really have a problem. I guess it's kind of the
0: same thing where, you know, stations that were, you know, 50,000 watt stations during the day then had to power down to 1,000 at night, right? Right. To stay in their lane.
2: (laughs) Right, because if you you go out of your lane in the spectrum, it's the same thing happens when you go out of your lane on the freeway. You crash and nobody Gets anywhere, you
0: know, or you get you know in in I'm using Phoenix as a reference because that's where I'm <laughs> from. Where you get phone calls from Denver 1100 <laughs> saying, "Hey, uh, I can hear your station over my station three states away." Right, right, right.
2: Yeah, but well, it's a really interesting time for that.
0: So as you were walking the floor and kind of seeing some of this, I know the last time that I was here uh, last year, um, you know, the Microsoft booth is always just absolutely amazing. They go, you know, way out of control. And I haven't even had time to venture eight feet past uh, the broadcast booth. So can you set a little bit of a, a tonality and stage for um, some of the big players that you've kind of seen uh, th- throughout sure. the event?
2: Well, Microsoft's all about cloud and storage and uh uh, cloud computing, right? So their Microsoft Azure, I think they're adding like four million users a month, or some wow. insanely huge number. And and the same with Amazon, it, their big play is Amazon Web Services. I mean, cloud is really important. For one thing, cloud is cheaper. You know, if you think about uh, if you think about building out your own storage and your own computing, you pay for it whether you're using it or not. So if you're going to be future-proof, you're going to have more storage than you need today. But that means you're paying for more storage and more IT services and more all of that stuff today. And you also cannot get the volume discount that Amazon can. You know, it's like I can't can't get the same price on stuff as Walmart can because (laughs) I'm I'm not buying 18 million of them. So there's a lot of advantages in cloud computing. Uh, Sony's big play is their broadcast stuff, their cameras. Uh, Same with uh, Canon. Canon has a very cool product out this year. It's a very low, low low-light camera. So you can shoot in almost darkness and get a color... Image, Not that weird greeny aliens versus predators <laughs> images, but like a real right. color image. So that's
1: pretty cool.
0: Well, you know, thank you so much for joining us on the broadcast today. I'm going to shift it over to Lori as we get started for the next portion of the advertising theater. Thank you.
1: We're going to actually be jumping into a great conversation at the Advanced Advertising Theater here at the NAB show I'm digging right into conversations with leading TV advertisers, talking with CBS and with Warner Brothers and the fabulous Mike Bloxham from MAGA TV and really digging into how do you innovate in our crazy ecosystem when everything is changing all the time. So we'll be back in a moment. Come check out the Advanced Advertising Theater. We're going to start up our next panel in about five minutes. The world
0: leader in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.